0: Welcome to another edition of Inside the War Room. Ryan Ray here as always. And today is a guest. First off, before I bring on the guest, we need to thank um, Ben Samuels for reaching out and setting this up. So thank you, Ben. If I don't if I don't give Ben a thanks, he'll ride me forever. But the guest is someone whose organization I've heard a lot about being an oil and gas. I've never had the pleasure of interacting. I'm talking about Sky High for Kids and Brittany Franklin. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing today? I'm doing
1: great. Thank you so much, Ryan. And a shout out to Ben Samuels who's rocking it on our Permian Basin Committee for Setting this up. This is amazing.
0: Yes. So, Ben, you've gotten two shout-outs if you're counting at home, which he is. Um, so, there you go, sir. You are welcome. But, okay, let's talk. Let's, first off, what is Sky High for Kids? For people who aren't familiar, this audience is some oil and gas, but a lot not oil and gas. So, they might be familiar with Sky High for Kids. Um, but what is it? What do you guys do? Sky
1: High for Kids is like a nonprofit organization whose mission is to gather the community, bring people together, only provide comfort, fund research, ultimately save lives of kids fighting pediatric cancer and other life-threatening diseases and so we have been fortunate over the past almost 15 years now to be so heavily supported by the energy industry and since inception in 2007 we've been able to impact the childhood cancer community by donating over 16 million dollars to support groundbreaking projects that are needed both on the research side, just as much on the treatment side for these families. And so uh, we are rocking and rolling. We are primarily a fundraising event organization. We have a rocking team that works around the clock, the host, the community in, in, in now five different regions. And so that is kind of who we are and what we do and why we do it, but it's all about, putting it into childhood cancer, and we are extremely supportive, uh, are supported by the oil and gas industry.
0: Okay, so childhood cancer, I've got four kids, um, 13 is the oldest, two wow. is the youngest. Um, those are scary words when I hear them, right? So when you say childhood cancer, um, this is from the the, the layman's perspective here, how right. do you understand like, what types of cancers are most common in kids? Does it matter by age, they're most susceptible? Um, What what do you see when you talk about childhood cancer?
1: So here are some of the statistics behind what's going on and the reality of what people in the community need to understand. Childhood cancer is currently the number one cause of death by disease for our children in this country, ages 19 and below. Uh, And so to think about that, even with the 8,000 plus rare diseases that exist, nothing touches the magnitude of being diagnosed with cancer as a child. Only 4% of funding is supported by our government to come out with the next treatment, to invest in clinical trials, to produce the next drug that may save your child. And so if it's not far, private donors and organizations like Sky High for Kids, truthfully, so many families right here in our own backyard wouldn't have a fighting chance. And so when you ask what's the most common form of childhood cancer, it's leukemia. It's the reason why Danny Thomas set out to do what he did by opening St. Jude Children's Research Hospital in 1962, the childhood cancer uh, leukemia rate at the time was only 4%. 4% of children were surviving the most common form of cancer. So Danny Thomas set out to change that. And over the past 65 years, because of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, the support of people like you, Texas Children's Cancer Center, and so many other unbelievable facilities, now ALL leukemia survival rate is 94%. I mean, it's 94%. Is that not- You said
0: from 4%- to 90, 90% do, right, <laughs> I mean, right. don't survive now. That's unbelievable. I right. And that, yes.
1: And, and that's, that's what's so remarkable about the work and passion that goes into this, right? And someone's dream like Danny had and, and for organization at Sky High to live, live up to his dream and create our own of, of completely eradicating all types of childhood cancer. But to think about what could be done in a lifetime of 65 years, and what we can do in our lifetime, we can really make an impact to change the game. There are so many other types of childhood cancer. In fact, there's 12 major types, but then there's 100 subsets, Ryan, so it gets really sticky. But in short, brain cancer, curing sarcomas, bone cancers, um, neuroblastoma, Wilms tumor, some of the other really catastrophic types of cancer that that um, affect kids have a much lower survival rate. So we need to invest in the research for those specific types of cancer, and we need to invest in the treatment and support the scientists, doctors, and caregivers so we don't have a 46% survival rate for brain cancer or what you know, whatever other lower survival rates there are. So when we created our vision at Sky High and as we grew, we decided we wanna end childhood cancer, so what do we need to do? And I'll explain to you some of our big projects that we have coming on online, but that's kind of a quick general um, you know, synopsis of the statistics. So again, number one cause of death by disease for our children, only 4% of funding comes for our government. 46 kids, Ryan, will be diagnosed today. 46 families will hear the words, your child has cancer. And when, when when a family hears those four words, a tornado ama- automatically drops into the middle of their household. And so with that said, that's why we're so passionate about getting the community involved to pour as much support into the childhood cancer community as possible.
0: Wow. Okay. So that's some staggering. It's some Some of the stuff is like jaw dropping because it's so... Um, great news. You go from 4% to 94%, which is unbelievable. Um, and then on the other end, you have 4% of government research. So why, let's just go to the government aspect for a second. Um, any inkling on why government research is so low? Is it lack of lobbyists, lack of knowledge? Um, uh, in, any insight on that? I think you can definitely
1: um, include the two you know, aspects that you just said, right? Whether it's lack of lobbyists or, I mean, for us, we educate the public on a daily basis of the magnitude of childhood cancer and you see jaws drop and eyes get wide because they have no idea that this is happening to our children, which are our future. But I'm going to get real down and dirty with it. Pharmaceutical companies, right? And organizations that poor blood, sweat, and tears slash money into producing drugs or treatment for a population, right, for mass numbers, right, doesn't really attract our government funding or attract a lot of these drug companies to do something about it. Because guess what? There's only 17,000 children a year that get diagnosed with childhood cancer. There's 40,000 kids in treatment on an annual basis. For us, if it's our child, well, that's too many, right? But in terms of making money off of a drug that's sold or a type of treatment, okay, they're not gonna make the numbers. They're not going to make the profit that they would on producing more drugs for the 277,000 women a year that are diagnosed with breast cancer, right? So we look at it in in terms of numbers and magnitude, right? That if it's only, right, right, in their minds, well, it's only 17,000 kids. So are we gonna spend millions and millions and millions of dollars on investing in a clinical trial to maybe work to save 300 kids with this type of brain tumor? Mm -hmm. And I say that, that way, because I can, that is, I can only think that that's the way that they think, you know, how can a human not want to invest everything into our future, our children? And so that's my take on it. It's my personal take on why the government funding is so low. Um, I haven't done a ton of research, Ryan, but I think that it's pretty obvious in the way that the world works in terms of medical care and drugs that are produced and the numbers and the amount of profit that's made at the end of the day.
0: Well, listen, you're speaking to a libertarian. So I think (laughs) I am far more, we can rail on the government all day. We've got hours. We can clear the schedule to rail on the government. So you're not going to hurt my feelings at all. Um, I do think it's important to to note, whatever the motivation is that this is a free market solution that is bringing cures to childhood cancer. Now we're getting a long way to go. We're talking about that, but just, just as an aside, we have 4% government research dollars and we have free market people donating their own, putting on events like Sky High does. Everyone cracks on the libertarians for being free market people. This is this is part of it. This is how it works itself out is the free market is looking at this and we want to do this because we want to put on a, a shootout or a golf tournament or whatever it is. Uh, we're willing to give our own money up to cure childhood cancer. So everyone who likes to say government's the solution I will raise you the free market every time. So,
1: just- yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on that one. But I will, Ryan. I will uh, give you this information. So we were very uh, blessed to meet Congressman McCall, who's here in Texas, who literally started the Childhood Cancer Caucus a little over ten years ago, and he lobbies and fights for funding from our government on a daily basis. And so they do. We do have some representative and leaders in in you know that world if you will that are trying to make a difference but the reality is if it's not for organizations like sky and if it's not for private donors and people like you we're not going to move the needle anytime soon
0: okay so let's talk about um again just from this kind of the the the, the layman's terms you go from four percent to 94 percent in, in a lifetime so i think you said 40 to 60 years some of the time period. What what is it that allows us to do that? I mean, I know, obvious, it's scientific innovation, but is it they need money to study more people with leukemia? Is it they need to run more trials? Is it is it a combination of stuff like? Because from my perspective, you know, you're like, well, guys, come on, you're scientists, so solve these things. But what is it that enables them to be able to tackle these tough problems like childhood cancer, with, whether it's leukemia or something else? The answer
1: is we enable them, Ryan. We together as a community. Anybody that gets behind funding or comfort programs to support the childhood cancer community is enabling that next scientist to make that discovery, right? So I sat down with Dr. Nabil at Texas Children's Cancer Center uh, recently and he explained to us the kind of the impact of a human being, right? A person and if you have a person that is gonna dedicate their life to science and dedicate their life to creating that next clinical trial and dedicate their life to investing so many hours and resources into studying why kids are diagnosed, where it comes from, and how we're going to treat and find a cure, it starts with that one person. But the community and other people must support that person, right? So the researchers, the scientists, they're doing the work right they're actually in the laboratories day in and day out and they're trying to figure out what in the world is happening here and to truth be told there's still no there is no reason still today or no explanation truly of why kids you know form different types of childhood cancer yes some are linked to genetics yes some are linked to you know maybe the environment but. If you ask as a whole, there's still a huge fat question mark that's lingering. So it takes money (laughs) first, right? If we don't have the money to pay the salary of the scientist and researcher, well, then they can't do their work, right? Um, It takes a community with passion to get their hands dirty and put their boots to work to come together and host events and fundraise and, and make blankets and put together toy drives to, su- to support these families. So it's it's a little bit of everything, Ryan, but the reality is we have to support the people and to support the people that are doing the work and investing in in the science and research that it takes to figure out what is going on, right? Or why that, that child still with ALL leukemia did not survive with the survival rate being where it is today, but there's still children that are dying from ALL. What, why, what happened? How did that child react to this protocol, this drug, this treatment, you know? And I think if you think about the human body and a small child and the, and they're in the middle of, you know, they're growing, things are changing, things are developing. And when cancer takes over your blood or, you know, there's a tumor formed in your lungs, it, you know, we have protocols that were created and we, and we have some science behind it, but it doesn't always work for every single child. And that's why we have to continue to invest in the people who are doing the work.
0: Okay. You mentioned the family I was talking about, you know, I have four kids and so I can't imagine just what it would do to our family. If our youngest Piper who's two or my oldest 13 drew or allocate you know, 11 or Scarlett who's five, you know, I got, I got this wide spectrum and thinking about just the burden um, you have the the just the, the shock and the mental trauma of thinking about this as a parent. You can't protect your kid, and how helpless you feel. So you, you have that. Then you have um, the treatment, which I'm curious to hear your opinion on. Like how long are these treatment periods? Is it you know six months, twelve months, eighteen months? Um, and then you have to go to the doctor's appointments. Talk about the families and you know um, how they cope with this, and how with the best maybe some best practices, and um, how they deal with this. This you said I think you said tornado dropped upon them. How do they? work through this because it's hard to imagine from the outside.
1: And when a family is impacted by childhood cancer, as I noted, it is like a tornado comes through the middle of their house. I'll take you through an actual patient story. Okay. About two weeks ago, I received a call, which happens unfortunately more often than I like that. A couple I worked with in the oil and gas industry 10 years ago's daughter was diagnosed with brain cancer. She was having headaches, fatigue, not feeling so well. You know, of course, the initial thing that a parent does is, I'm going to my pediatrician. We need to figure out what's going on. And a lot of times, the initial reaction or diagnosis is, well, It's headaches, she's growing, it could be stress. I mean, all these different things, right? Until the child doesn't get any better is when we take it as a parent to the next step and we say, okay, obviously something is wrong, right? So this little girl kept complaining about her headaches and so they did blood work and they ran a CAT scan, right? And that's when it was discovered that she has a golf ball sized tumor not only in her brain, but attached to her brain stem, which unfortunately does not allow for surgery to remove that tumor if it's attached to the brain stem.
0: Why, why, okay, I've heard it before. Why is that? Um, uh, like, why being attached to the brain stem, can you not remove with it?
1: Ryan, this is a question I would have to defer to okay. someone like but, Dr. Jed at Texas Children's, who's the number one pediatric surgeon in the world. I can't answer that question for you, but I'd love to find out. Now you've got me really curious.
0: <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I've heard that a lot. I just know I've never been in a position to ask someone. I've yeah. heard it. I, I, I believe it. I'm just curious. What right. about attachment? But anyway, go ahead. Sorry.
1: So, so first of all, you have the parents who hear the words. You have the child who's nine, who completely understands, not in terms of what this could be for the rest of their life, but they understand something's wrong and it's really wrong. Because normally within 24 hours of being diagnosed, your family is sent directly to St. Jude, CHOP, LA Children's, Texas Children's here in Houston, Cook in Dallas, wherever, of course, most convenient for the family initially. But if the diagnosis is so severe, they're going to one of the top five facilities in the country. For us, we support St. Jude and Texas Children's at this current time. And so, you don't even have time to think about packing a bag, okay? When, when, when this parent told me they arrived at Texas Children's, they didn't have pajamas, a toothbrush. I mean, think about just literally your house on fire and you think, I'm gonna pack all these things and I'm gonna grab all these things if my house is burning down. Well, guess what? It's the same equation. No, you're not. You're gonna get out and try to save your life. And that's what a parent does. They spring right into action and they get straight to the facility and they start treatment, Ryan, within literally within 24 hours, your child is starting treatment based on the diagnosis majority of the time. What treatment looks like, it varies. Some treatments and protocols are two and a half years, three years. If you relapse, it could be four five, you know. It could include a bone marrow transplant, which is a whole nother conversation. It could include extremely high dose and intense chemotherapy, radiation. I mean, there is so much that goes into the treatment side of things, which is why we invest so much into uh, vetting and trusting our doctors and and caregivers at the facilities we support, because we know they're doing their best to put the child on the right protocol and treatment plan. But as a family, you get there, and you don't even know if you're like coming or going. The only thing you know is that you need to save your child's life, and you're gonna do whatever it takes to save your child's life. Now, week one passes by, treatment has started, everyone's tired, everyone's, most of the time, when you hear a family talk in the first week, they're confused, they're angry, They're questioning their faith. They don't understand why us, why our family, why my child, right? Where did this come from? And that's when an organization like Sky High or other organizations like us step in, in terms of the comfort side, right? We provide patient packs to fulfill all, everyone in that family's needs, siblings included, because unfortunately, the siblings, most of the time, don't get as much attention right as you can imagine like if you're a parent you're like okay piper is now very sick and i need to give all my time and attention to piper and then your other three kids are like hey i i still exist and then they're confused and they're worried and they're heartbroken because their their little brother is is sick there's just so many emotions and so many thoughts and so much that goes through a parent's mind the child, the patient's mind, and then the siblings' mind, the grandparents and the extended family and the community. But it's like a tornado. You don't have time to pack a bag, but you know you're going to be focused on saving your child's life. And then organizations like Sky High are going to come in and we're going to try to make things just a little bit better. We can't cure your child. We can't take away the pain and suffering, but we can make it a little bit better. We can provide the needs that or essential for you to get through the first few weeks, or we can take a family from Midland, Texas, who has to come to Houston for treatment for weeks, and they can't afford an apartment. They can't afford a hotel or housing. Sky High will put you in that Airbnb for the next 30 days, because all we want you to worry about is saving your child. We'll take care of the rest, right? And that's just some small things Sky High does along the way, but Texas Children's and St. Jude and the facilities, they provide social workers. They provide faith counselors. They provide child life specialists. They provide activities and education. And some kids can't even go back to school. They provide schooling. Every single thing that you could think your family is already like in motion with, and when the motion stops, Facilities like Texas Children's and St. Jude and many others and organizations like Sky High get that, motive, get that motion moving again, right? We get it moving again for the family and we just try to be there as much as we can and support. And for us, faith is a core value. So we never shy away from making sure that we believe God ultimately has a reason um, and there is... An important and symbolic meaning behind what's going on, um, and so we share that with our families, and we share that often.
0: It's funny you, you said something in that that, that reminded me. Um, you said that just a little bit of help, and obviously you guys are doing far more than a little bit. But you know, I heard someone one time say that when you're in pain, uh, physical pain. Um, just the slightest bit of relief is what you're hoping for. You'd like to be fully relieved, but you just go, God, if you got a toothache, if it would just stop throbbing for a second, just, just give me a second. And, and, and so you guys are coming in and, and that reminds me is like, they have all these problems and you're, you're saying, okay, well, we can give some relief here, some relief here. And obviously a little bit adds up to a lot and you guys are doing uh fantastic work, but sometimes we forget on the outside, you're trying to help someone who is in a, tornado situation that it is a little bit here the airbnb there which is a big deal but but in the grand scheme of things or child sick you might it might seem like you're not doing a lot but all those little things add up and they make the family feel somewhat normal and so it, it struck me that you put it that way because um yeah when you're when you're desperate you're looking for every single inch that you can just to get some normalcy back
1: some normalcy back you're correct and and ultimately you know praying and continuously having this sense of hope that your child will survive and will be able to live a normal life again. Um, And, you know, Sky High is an organization that is here on the ground working to supply the funds that are needed to Texas Children's and St. Jude, because if we don't do it, they're not going to be able to move the, the needle forward. They just won't. I mean, here's an example, Ryan. A few years ago, Texas Children's Cancer Center came to us and said, we have been waiting on a piece of equipment to individualize treatment for children who do not respond to blanket protocols. And that piece of equipment costs $725,000. And I said, you've been waiting on this equipment? What do you mean by that? Well, we've been waiting on funding we've been waiting on an organization or a private donor to say, here's the money buy the machine and start saving more kids lives. That to me was mind blowing. I literally was like, explain to me how the company that produces this machine hasn't just given you one. Well, let's break it down. They're running a business, right? They produce this equipment, a lot of time and resources and money goes into producing that piece of equipment. It needs to be sold to an end user. So they're doing their job rightfully. So hopefully discounting that piece of equipment, but when it's needed, TCH St. Jude can let organizations like Sky high. Know that this is, this is our biggest need right now. And if you fulfill that for us, Wow! Let me show you the impact it's going to make. And so, think about that. Think think about all of the equipment, and again, the clinical trials and the drugs and everything that goes into what is needed for these kids. And that's the treatment, and you know, portion of it. That's like we said, all the little things on the side, mm-hmm. which I mean, are just as important. I'm sorry. Just with the experiences we've had with families, it is just as important to be able to send that patient pack and. Mm -hmm. Then mom and dad which that have seven kids. This is another family from Hawaii. They have seven children. Their daughter diagnosed with a brain tumor has to get flown to Houston, Texas from Hawaii. So guess what? Mom and dad, they have to quit their jobs. Mm. They have to quit their jobs. Why? Mm -hmm. They've got seven kids to take care of. And one of them has a life-threatening disease that cannot be treated in Hawaii. Flown across now living in Houston, being treated, and do you think that those two individuals, those parents, have gone out for dinner to even process what is happening? No, they haven't. In fact, when we asked, they hadn't been on a date night in nine years, so Sky High sent them on a date night, and we made sure that the kids were taken care of, and they had arts and crafts and activities for that night, and we just gave those those two people that that parent a sense of relief from something so minute as going on date night.
0: Well, it's not minute. And that's the thing. That's what I was saying earlier about about that. You know, when you're in pain, you're looking for a little bit of relief. And so you've got seven kids. One of them got cancer. You're flying from Hawaii back and forth and you go, oh, a date night. It's like, no, 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 no. It is. Again, it's it's small in the grand scheme of things, but it's it's a huge Weightlift, uh, release, uh, uh, no burden just to go have a steak and whatever, you know, you, you go do on your dinner, look at your spouse in the eye and talk about whatever, um, just to kind of escape. And, you know, if you think about just normal day to day activity, you know, normal people, they want, okay, I just need five minutes to myself. You know, I just need to yes. you know, imagine in right. that context. So, so I, I know I appreciate the way you're, you're phrasing it, but it is, it is small, but it's also, because um, all of the stress that's compounding, compounding, compounding um, just to get that little bit of uh, of a break. Now you mentioned the piece of equipment. Um, And so to me, this is, would be the hard part of dealing with some of this stuff is that you've got big pharma, which I've got plenty of, plenty of issues with, but if we attribute the best motivation to them, let's just give them the best motivation for sake of argument, because childhood cancer is more rare um, than breast cancer. And I I don't remember the exact numbers you said, but it's like 17,000 to 200,000, right? Um, it just means practically and and i'm not not a cancer expert i'm assuming that it means that the types of equipment is going to be a little different how you manufacture it it, it, it's uh, so it means just from the market standpoint it's theoretically could just be more expensive which so it's it's almost a again giving everyone best motivations. it's it's a blessing that there's less people that have it but the curse is that there's less people to work on it because there's not a market share um to be captured to benefit from it and that's and that's kind of a, a weird spot to be in.
1: Yeah, you just nailed it on the head. I mean, that piece of equipment. There's only eight. There's only eight that exist in the entire United States, right? And we were able, because of y'all's support, to be able to fund that at Texas Children's. But you're right. It's almost like you're stuck between what, what's that? What's that saying? Like a rock in a, a hard place. A hard, yes. You know. I mean, think about it. But but here's the deal for us. We, we, you can get into the weeds with all of that and why and who and what Mm -hmm. pharma and equipment and listen, we're going to do one thing and we're going to invest all of our time, our resources and we're going to do whatever it takes to get the job done morally and ethically at sky high for kids. And we are going to fight to the death to push forward and support these families that are battling, you know, the, literally, that are battling the largest challenge of their lives, right? Mm. And so for us, we focus on one thing, and that's our vision of ending childhood cancer. We back out of that vision. We look at our mission, gathering the community. That's our fundraising events. We don't want one person to know what's going on in the childhood cancer community. No, we want 500 people in Midland, Texas to gather at that banquet and to be educated and understand the need that these families have and the fact that just in 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 west texas alone in in the midland/odessa surrounding areas you know texas children's is treating 187 families on an annual basis right because okay. your child's diagnosed in west texas there's right, really right. no option there right you've got to go to dallas or houston or somewhere else and so so we back out that mission we gather the community and then we provide comfort, and that's through all of our programs, as we kind of touched on our adventures program, tie for sky high, blanket making, you know, our patient packs, and then we fund research. So, Ryan, this is what we're doing. We got real bold, and we said we're going big or going home. The small nonprofit that we are—I love it—run <laughs> by by seven young women, and we said. Texas Children's, what is the biggest need that you have right now? And what is going to help fulfill our vision of ending childhood cancer? Right. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, Brittany, we have two projects. We need and want to build the first pediatric immunotherapy center in the country.
0: What is that real quick for yeah, What is that?
1: So the immunotherapy center, which is now open and operating and saw and cared for 650 children just last year alone through, even through a pandemic. Um, is the next level of treatment for children who are not responding really well, and it's kind of the last resort, if you will, but this is a less toxic, non-invasive way to treat children. This almost, I mean, you take your cells out, you spin them in a little doohickey, because I'm not the medical expert, that's and perfect. then they inject the cells back into the child's body and your own cells fight off the cancer. Oh, wow. Okay? Yeah, it's, it's groundbreaking stuff. It took years, decades in clinical trials, funding, research to say, okay, immunotherapy, it is working. We are watching tumors shrink, shrink, shrink even more when a child before immunotherapy would have been sent home, mm. sent home to die. And so that project is $10 million, Ryan, mm. and we have um, 10 years to fulfill that commitment. And we have already donated quite a bit of money into supporting that project. And so immunotherapy center, number one, I'm going to talk about the St. Jude arc before I talk about global hope. Cause I want to stay in line, but St. Jude children's research hospital, I like to call it the mothership, right? They are the mega house for research and treatment. In fact, most kids are on St. Jude protocol across the country, right? No matter where they're treated. With that said, they literally are building the largest research laboratory in the country, 625,000 square feet, a $412 million construction project. There's eight floors and the most groundbreaking research is going to be done in the ARC facility, Advanced Research Center at St. Jude. Well, St. Jude came to us and said, Brittany, sky high, we need $20 million from you. And we were like, wow, that's a lot of money. (laughs) What for? And they explained the magnitude of the research that's going to be done in the ARC. And we looked at each other, and although it took us 18 months to make this decision, Ryan, we looked at each other and said, what are we doing? What's the vision? is the end childhood cancer. In our lifetime, we're gonna do this, but what's gonna outlive us and continue to save lives? And that's research, Ryan. We have to fund the research. So we picked the second floor, which is going to really get more in depth with brain cancer, with bone cancer, with the really tough stuff. And for us, if the really tough stuff has the lowest survival rates, why wouldn't we invest more there? Because if we don't do it, who else is going to do it, right? Who's going to be supporting that parent that says, yeah, my statistic is my child was one in 300 and we didn't have any funding and there was no treatment and we were just sent home to, to watch our ch- child die. No, that's not fair. So we're going to change that. So we're excited. That's a $20 million commitment. We have 10 years remaining on that pledge as well. And then if that's not enough, we said, okay. Dr. Poplack at Texas Children's, who was the head of oncology and hematology for many years, he moved over to support a project called Global Hope. Okay, Ryan, this is where the energy industry really packs a punch because we know that oil and gas is worldwide. I don't care what anybody says about renewables and green energy. Right now, for the time being, oil and gas makes everything work. And whether you're in Sub Saharan Africa, or you're right here in Houston, Texas, fuel is needed, electricity is needed, and so Global Hope went into Sub-Saharan Africa, and they created a program to invest in research, in treatment, in brick and mortar, in training physicians, nurses, caregivers, to treat, Ryan, you ready for this? The 100,000 children that are diagnosed every single year, wait for this, and only 10% are surviving. Could you imagine being a part of a community where 90,000 kids every single year are dying of cancer because they don't have the resources or the knowledge or, I mean, to be quite frank, anything to even diagnose the child that Mm -hmm. could be saved? So Sky High felt it was our moral duty and our vision is to end childhood cancer. It doesn't matter if you're laying your child down Mm -hmm. in Texas or you're laying your child down in Malawi. Mm -hmm. So we went global and that's an additional $10 million commitment. And so totaling Ryan, we are in a $40 million capital campaign. Capital campaign. We don't really know how to run a capital campaign. You know what we know how to do? We know how to gather the community through our fundraising events to make an impact. And we know that we will never give up on our mission and we will never give up on these families and we will be in their corner day in and day out. And we'll come, we we will, we will finish these pledge commitments and we're going to be ready to rock to the next thing. That's going to move the survival rate needle forward or make a family's situation that much better.
0: First off, that's fantastic. And so Sub-Saharan Africa, I have a lot of, we'll talk Africa when we get to the podcast because I have some questions about that, but uh, I didn't know y'all were involved with that. So that's, that's fantastic news to hear about that. So we have 10 years, 10 million in uh, Texas. We have 20 million in 10 years in St. Jude's and we have uh, 10 million in Sub-Saharan South Africa. Um, so let me just ask you this, because as you're talking, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about the kids, not my kids necessarily, but just kids. And um, I've been to some pretty impoverished areas and it, it's tough to deal with because you walk around and you, you see people don't have anything. You talk, it's like, you know, how do you solve these problems that it's overwhelming? Um, and I'm not, I'm, I'm happy to help. I'm not built to be there every day. I don't know emotionally if I can do it. How do you do this emotionally seeing the families, seeing the kids? Um, I commend you because you are far, far uh, better at this than I would because me. I just I want to sit down as a ball and just cry just thinking about all of this. It's just it's so terrible. and so tragic. So um, help me become a better person. And, and uh, I'm enthused. But how do you keep your wits about you? And I, I say that from a point of admiration.
1: Yeah, I, I go back to really one of the first. Patient families that I ever met. And Bryce Norwood will be my personal legacy for the rest of my life. But, you know, his family came to us and unfortunately relayed the news that he was terminally ill. So we gathered our group and resources and fulfilled a end of life weekend, what we call our adventures for this family in Uvalde, Texas, at 4M Ranch, sponsored by Frank's Case and Crew at the time. And Ryan, there's just this sense of peace and this like hope that God continues to give to not only me, but to our entire team, our volunteers, our regional committee members, our board, that keeps us moving forward, although very difficult at times. And when Bryce passed away after that trip, uh, I I mean, I I cried for weeks, right? But the fire in my belly continued Mm -hmm. to grow through that very emotional time. And after all these years in the families that we've worked with that have, you know, that their child has not survived, we're able to not only give them a chance to live out their child's legacy through Sky High in any way, which shape or form that they wanna get involved, but we're also holding on to this hope that the next child will survive. Right, and so if we can save that one, or that ten, or that hundred, or impact eight thousand children's in sub-Saharan Africa last year, we well, well, we can't sit in the corner and cry. We got to move. We got to go. And so I think God gives gives me and and all of us this sense of grace and hope and this peace inside. Believe me, when I went to Uganda and we walked through the facility there, and there are. 50 children lined up back to back to bed, 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 bed. The moms are sleeping on the floor, on Mm -hmm. the concrete, under the child's bed, okay? Sheets Mm -hmm. haven't been changed in no telling how long. Mm -hmm. It's dirty. They're eating porridge out of a pot. I mean, literally, okay, kind of what people say happens when they go on these mission trips or what you kind of see on TV here and there. Well, guess what? I saw it. Christina saw it. And and we witnessed it. We come back to the United States and we're like, we haven't even gotten started, Ryan. This Mm -hmm. just continues to fuel our fire because we look in the eyes of these children and we see the parents suffering and we're like, wait, time out. This is not fair. And God put us on earth to do this work for a reason. And we're going to do it.
0: Okay. So you've, we talked about oil and gas and this is inside the woman podcast, but we're going to talk about oil and gas for a second because we're okay. going to a portion of this on the text oil and gas podcast as well. Um, but I, I think this, you know, the oil and gas industry, I've been involved since 2005, I think. Um, and I always, I don't know, for years, I've kind of had this saying that right now and we can take this to cancer as well, but right now there is someone somewhere who's getting a heart transplant. And there's a helicopter taking that heart from one hospital to the next. And all of that is made possible by oil and gas. So before you talk about getting rid of it, just realize you're wanting to kill people today. If we snapped our finger, got rid of it, you want to kill people today. All of this cancer research, all of the plastic, all of the building, whether it's in Uganda or Memphis or Houston or Dallas is made possible by oil and gas. Not only that, oil and gas people are very generous with their dollars
1: extremely generous with their
0: dollars. extremely generous not only do they do sky high if you follow on gas they're doing shootouts and fishing tournaments all throughout the year that they're giving to all kinds of causes um and so it's it, it perturbs me to no end how our industry is portrayed from the outside as we're not generous people we don't care about people um and so i wanted to give you the floor just to talk about you, you've touched on some but just the responsible and gas, um, you know, the industry, how they've played a role in this and give them the attaboy that they deserve because they don't get it quite enough, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I would love this opportunity to shed as much positive light on this industry as possible. I personally, Ryan as well, worked in oil and gas starting my career in 2007 and literally just ended my career a couple of months ago. So I've worked in the industry for over 14 years and I've seen, uh, lived, and breeds the generosity and the core values of majority of the people in this industry. From day one, the first check that was ever written to Sky High, which was at Edie's restaurant in Lafayette, Louisiana, came from Mr. Donald Mosing, who was the CEO and, um, you know, next generation of running Frank's Casing Crew. And, you know, Mr. Don didn't hesitate in regards to what he was donating his money to and encouraged me and Crystal to go to Frank's Case and Crew's shop and walk around with a bucket and visit every single one of his employees that were in FRCs and turning tools and welding. And we walked around that day with a bucket and people put in, listen to me, people that made probably $35,000 a year at that time put in every dollar they had Absolutely. in their front pocket, Ryan. Absolutely. And that's what, that's what got Sky High off the ground. It was every single one of those people giving what they could. I, I remember distinctly a man putting like 35 cents in the bucket, and he was so sorry that's all he had. And I told him, that is enough. That is enough. Thank you, right? You are going to impact a child's life. So we launched the first sporting clay tournament in Lafayette. The community, you know, received it extremely well. We donated $50,000 to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital that year. And every single company that supported the sporting clay tournament was in the oil and gas industry. I had no idea what that even meant at the time. I ended up following the oil and gas industry and started my career in 07 and moving to Houston. And that's when we launched the official 501c3 of Sky High because we knew we had started something special. We didn't know and have any idea what it meant, you know, what it is today. But we knew that we had access and we were able to build relationships with an industry and a community of people that are literally living and breathing their core values and are grounded and will give the shirt off their back to help anyone in need. And so, 08, we started the Houston event. From 08 to 2013, we were Lafayette Houston, Lafayette Houston, oil and gas, oil and gas supported. Anadarko Petroleum, you know, now Oxy, was our backbone and supplied hundreds of volunteers for us to be able to pull off the events we were hosting. Because Ryan, for the first seven years, from 07 to 13, we were 100% volunteer. You had six girls from Lafayette, Louisiana in their 20s running now two massive events, raising almost $2 million a year with the support of the oil and gas industry. And we were doing it with volunteers. So without Anna Darko, without Champion X, without Strike USA, without so many of our volunteers and donors in the oil and gas industry, there is no possible way that I could see her today and tell you that we would have been able to save the lives we've saved and invest in the treatment and facilities that we invest in without the oil and gas industry, period. They have literally saved hundreds of thousands of children now around the world because of their support and generosity and their time and their resources. And listen, this organization was built with boots on the ground with grinding it out, loading trailers at midnight, hauling them from one city to the next. I mean, exhaustion. If you didn't have a red bull in your hand for the three day event, you, you were going to pass out in the corner. I mean, we killed ourselves to host those events and we could not have done that without this industry. So for the people out there listening before you jump to judge what's produced, what goes in the air, okay? And whatever other environmental concerns that so many people have, some warranted, I'm not gonna say that some are not, but the advancement of this industry today from where it was is wildly different. So our safety, our everything, right? You have to think about exactly what you just said. The oil and gas industry makes the world turn. In a third world country where there is no electricity, Kids aren't able to go to school. They're not educated and cannot grow up to be the next leader to make their community that much better. That is the reality. Those are facts. They're statistics. The button on your shirt, your water bottle, your bicycle, your tent to go camping with your family. I don't care. Even for North Face to say, we don't want your business. Okay. Except all of your clothing is made from petroleum products. I just think people don't take time to do the research and understand the core and the root. But what the oil and gas industry has done for the childhood cancer community is like no other. In fact, St. Jude and Texas Children's will tell you that we've been able to penetrate the oil and gas industry through our work and our relationships and they get to receive funding now that, that they don't think they would have ever been able to, to receive, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, Ryan, we are pro oil and gas. Okay. We are pro energy. We are very realistic in terms of renewable resources, safety and getting better. Okay. The industry is going to get better and better and better. And we're going to work together to make it better, make it safer, make it more environmentally friendly. We want that. We don't not want that. Of course we want that. But, you know, it's not like turning a light switch on. It's going to take some time. It's going to take innovations. It's going to take people, brains, power, you know?
0: Well, and and we'll we'll take it back to where we started, which is um, at the beginning 40, 60 years ago, the oil and gas industry is not the same as it is today, just like childhood leukemia was not Uh the same as it is today. And so... Here you have an industry that is providing the the source material for all this research to happen. And then they're funding it on some level as well. It's, um, it's something that doesn't get uh, talked about enough. I'm proud to be part of this industry and always will be. Um, I, and I tell people, you should walk to work if you're in the oil and gas business thinking you save lives because you do. Yes. Yeah. You're not a doctor. I'm not, I don't know anything about childhood cancer other than what you've told me. I can't do any of that, but my participation in this industry is it, just because it's the, how the market works is participating in saving lives. And so you should be very proud of your industry. Can you get better? Sure. That's, that's all fine and dandy, but don't ever forget that we are a vital important uh, importance to um, saving lives. And so childhood cancer and the, this when I see the sky high events and the people their passion for. It, it just reminds me of just, um, how honored we should be to be a uh, part of this. So we're getting close to the time here. So let's wrap it up with this. I know you guys have an event coming up soon. Um, so let's talk about that. Um, obviously you have your lofty goals. So maybe are do, do these events go to those big $40 million goals or are they separate breakdown funding, how that works. So people who are they're leaving, they want to know more, donate more, um, how that works. Yes. so cool.
1: Raised at Sky High throughout the year through all of our events, our campaigns, our programs, are funding our two massive pledge commitments right now at Texas Children's in St. Jude. In addition, we do donate $250,000 to the Ronald McDonald House of Memphis. The reason why is because they only house patients of St. Jude. And so that aligns with our core focus of pediatric cancer. We're their largest donor and have been for 10 plus years and the needs to house 53 families from all over the country is a whole nother conversation, so we're very proud of that. We also, Ryan, if we are in a new community, for example, Midland, right? We recognize that if there are needs right there in your backyard, that we will vet those opportunities and try our best to allocate some funding to support those. At this time, as I noted, majority, if not all, families are not being treated for pediatric cancer in West Texas. They, they need and must go out to other facilities, a lot going to Texas Children's. So it works perfectly with what we're funding because the families are there. In relation to Tulsa, Oklahoma, for example, when we launch our fifth region next year, We know and recognize that the Children's Hospital of St. Francis has a pediatric oncology and hematology center. And so we met with them last week and asked what their needs are. So when we fundraise in their community, we make sure that we earmark some funding for a specific project to affect, you know, to impact those families right there in their backyard. But in the grand scheme, the money that is raised is going to fulfill these two massive pledge commitments but we do have buckets that support other communities locally where we are fundraising, right? It's the right thing to do. It's how we gain support in a community, in Lafayette, in Houston, in San Antonio, in West Texas, and and then next Tulsa, Oklahoma. So our events are wildly fun. We believe in hosting unforgettable experiences. You will hear directly from a patient family in that local community you will uh, experience a very entertaining live auction. We normally have a band involved, open bar, great food. And the best part is we have great people all gathered together under one roof there for one reason. And that is to end childhood cancer. And I think that's what sets Sky High apart from other nonprofits. We truly bring the sea, touch and feel of the mission to our donors. We bring it to them in that in that room for that banquet, at that clay shoot, at the next arts and crafts activity at the hospital, right? We really do bring that to our, our donors and our volunteers and participants. And uh, hosting unforgettable experiences is what we do and what we do best. And um, I'm super proud of our team and our volunteers and everyone that spends a lot of time, right, uh, to, to away from their own family or away from their job or away from Maybe, maybe what they would prefer to do on a Monday night versus being in a regional committee meeting asking, you know, working on silent auction, right? Um, but, but we're excited. Our, our Midland event is coming up. It's September 17th and 18th. We're hosting a banquet in Odessa, Texas at uh, the Salisbury Airplane Hangar. It's pretty wild. It's pretty extravagant, and it's pretty fun. And then the next day is at Jake's Sporting uh Clays outside of Midland. And so we have a two-tiered event a lot of fun bring your family we believe in uh, impacting the entire family that's that's battling childhood cancer and so we want to see you bring your children to our events because you need to show them what it means to live your own legacy right and what it means to give back now at a young age and so we we encourage the entire family to to attend our events
0: okay so september 17th and 18th uh in midland we'll get that off the website and uh, put that in the show notes. So people want to find out more about that. And we'll be talking about that on the Texas one guest podcast as well. So if you listen to that, we'll be reminding you to attend that event. So Brittany, this has been fantastic. This has been lovely. Um, I've done a lot of podcasts, but this, this is probably my favorite just because it's a topic that's, it's just so, so raw, so real, you know, it's just, it's, um uh, if you've ever done anything with kids in kind of impoverished areas or in, in dire need, um, I haven't done anything with childhood cancer, but, um, just extreme poverty. It's just, it's so overwhelming. It's it's hard to get your head around. And so, um, I'm very thankful for the work that you guys are doing and we look forward to working with you guys in the future. And thank you so much for coming on.
1: What an honor, Ryan. Thank you so much.